Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra, and me, Father David Pelican, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese and eparchy, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. So welcome, everybody, to another edition of Men of the Hearts podcast. Today we have on our third guest. This is our fifth podcast, so it's exciting to continue to move on. Uh, I was not in seminary with this priest. However, Father David was in the seminary for about two years with him. He's not only an associate pastor at a parish, but he is also the vocation director for this area. And you might be thinking, Father Craig, we thought you were the vocation director. Well, I am but he is the vocation director for the Eparchy of St. Thomas the Apostle. So, Father Brian Casso, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, how are you doing today? Everything is great. Awesome. So it's good to have you here, and I can't wait to hear your vocation story and a number of things about the Chaldean Eparchy. Also, we have Father David with us. How it goes by you, Father David? Well, it goes well by me, Father Craig, and I'm also very happy to welcome you, Father Brian, uh, to the podcast. haven't... You know, haven't seen you much around, but I remember our times uh, in seminary together. It was always fun to see you in the halls. You always had a smile on your face and uh, usually a joke or two as well. So You always came back with something. Yeah. <laughs> you, didn't, you, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't put up with bullies very well. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you defended yourself always. That's right. Perfect. Well, Father Brian, before we get into your vocation story, what has been a blessing for you this past month or a couple months? I'm assuming, like me, you're kind of finishing up applications for the seminary this year. Yeah, yep. We had a couple. Uh, we had about three guys that were applying, so uh, just wrapping up uh, there, and um, just a lot going on at the parish. We've been uh, we've we're we're getting a new priest in in August, so. We're glad to get the new help. I think that's a blessing in itself. Nice. So, nice. We, a new pastor or another associate? A new pastor. So I'm okay. kind of just I'm just heading uh, right now. I'm the temporary administrator, and so that's come with its own little res- set of responsibilities. And then doing seminary work, and then um, just getting some more help is going to be just great. So. Yeah, you're doing two full time jobs, so uh, <laughs> it'd be great that you get this help coming up soon. Yeah, a vacation would be really nice too. So. <laughs> yeah, right. I keep hearing that priests are less busy in the summer, so I'm waiting. It's been, this August first will be five years as a priest, so I'm just waiting on when that is. This going to be the year? So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. But any blessings going on? Anything uh, that happened at the parish or with vocations? Uh, yeah, so we have, uh, we just recently had a, a uh, our eparchy did a discernment weekend. It's our first time, it wasn't even a weekend, it was like 24 hours. And so uh, that was really good. We, we had uh, uh, many men come out. Um, and so we spent, uh, it was 24 hours at St. Paul's uh, Retreat yeah. House, the Passionist in Detroit. So that was really good. And um, I think the biggest blessing was not only the men that came, came to, uh, to come on the retreat, but like, We've never done this before, so I was like, this is going to be a disaster. It's going to be a hot mess. It's not going to work. <laughs> and then like, and then I met with the guys afterwards just for some meetings and stuff. They're like, it was amazing. It was great. The Holy Spirit was talking. And whether their vocation it was solidified for the priesthood or whether in the opposite direction, like all glory to God. So I think that's, that's a, right. it was a huge blessing as well just for people to have clarity. I mean, that's the main thing. We don't need men in the seminary that 
don't uh, don't have the calling, right? If, if, if no. clarity is a great thing. So it was our first time doing it, and, and it worked out really good. And we hope to be able to do it uh, moving forward. So that was just last month. So it was, it was a great blessing for our for hey, Parkey. That's great. That's yes. great. I can't wait till we start doing discernment weekends here at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. Now, I felt the same way when we started the discernment group. I thought, is anybody going to come? <laughs> and it's going to be horrible because I'm not going to know what to say or what to do. And it just, it, again, the Holy Spirit working, and it turned out great. It was great. And yeah. we look forward to, you know, because we can join you guys on, on the uh, discernment weekends for the Chaldean guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll add a little bit Chaldean flavor to the uh, to the discernment weekends. You know, we come with our own flavor. Yeah. Always, well, always welcome. That's <laughs> right. Well, it was funny. Like, we're a part of the Region 6 vocation directors, and we saw each other, like, for the first time, really, in Ohio. And I'm like, hey, you're another vocation director, and you're like, 15 minutes away from where I live. You know, we need to work together a little bit more. And I told you, so I had reached out to you. I text messaged you, but it, and I w you never responded, so I was mad at you indirectly. <laughs> <laughs> you never responded. I was like, what's up with this guy? What's, you know, why, why doesn't he respond? You know, like, I understand he's busy getting settled in, but I had shot you a text message saying, hey, welcome, you know, um, part of the region, and hopefully we can get together for lunch. And you never responded. So, like, a year <laughs> went by, and I saw you recently at the, uh, in Ohio, and then, um, and then you text me, and I, did, did I tell you that the number, it was instead of 586 area code, it was 585. Oh. So the message that I sent oh. it to never went through, so I take back for judging you early Oh, on. well, thank you very much. Thank you. There is redemption in this world, right? <laughs> That's right. I, I, I had a lot of mercy on you after I realized that I made a mistake. It happens from now sometimes. I every once in a while. Every once in a while. Yeah. It happens every now and then that I do something right, so. <laughs> well, Father David, uh, you know, I mean, did you go to Costco this this month, and did you pick up something good? Of course, I went to Costco this Why month. Why don't you explain that? This, this well, I actually again. I went a little out of my comfort zone. I'm not a big uh, sweets guy, uh, but I, I I got something sweet this uh, this month, and it was because uh, as I was holding in my hand, I was holding uh, these toasted coconut chips, and I was holding something else called Heavenly Hunks. And a lady walked by, and she pointed at the heavenly hunks, and she says, those are addictive. You should get those. So I went with it. Yeah, and they were good, too. Pretty good. Gluten-free, healthy for you. You can eat the whole bag, and, and nothing would happen. Yeah, no fat, no calories. Yeah, nothing. That's <laughs> right. That's right. They're heavenly. <laughs> now, 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 Father Craig, I'm drinking one of your uh, fizzy waters here, Perrier. I believe you get those from Costco, too. Have you been to Costco as well? I, I, I do, and I, I'm a San Pellegrino man. I'm not a Perrier mm. fan, but... Um, that's the only desperate thing that they times, had. Huh? Yeah, desperate yeah. times. I need my fuzzy water, and that was what was there. Yeah, but I was in Costco, too, picking those up, and it was kind of interesting, you know, because I get used to people, and I'm sure both of you get used to people just looking at you wherever you go. You know, I don't even notice that anymore, but when I go into a store with someone that's not usually with me, they're like, everybody's looking at you, and I go, yeah, that's just normal, whatever, you know. And uh, I'm sitting in line uh, waiting to check out, and uh, a younger younger lady comes forward, has a young family, her husband's behind her, and she's like, I, I told my husband, if I see the priest, if I see the priest, I got to tell him that it's so cool that he's wearing his collar, so I just like to think that I was bringing heaven into uh, Costco, right? Like, this collar reminds people of, of God, so I think... You know, we speak volume sometimes just by wearing our collar and walking around in normal, everyday places. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. Father Dave, didn't you uh, make birdhouses with the young adult group last uh, month? Uh, how did that turn out? Well, we, we tried to make birdhouses. Uh, <laughs> no, it turned out uh, very well for the most part. There was a, a wide range of skills among them, and so a wide range of success 
in the end products. Uh, some of them I don't think a bird would ever live in or could even get into because of where the hole is or the lack thereof. Uh, <laughs> some of them were pretty nice, though. Uh, one of them, they even built a little uh, like upstairs deck and chapel for the bird. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun project, a fun evening. Uh, as you know, I did a little construction and uh, working summer jobs in high school, so it was nice to pull out some of those skills again and, and just uh, kind of share those with others. Yeah, you need to take pictures of those and post those so that people can see how uh, how good they came out. I should, I should. Some maybe maybe some more than others. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I hear you made another creation uh, and you uh, debuted it at a young adult group as well. Something that well, you and Father Bob McCabe put together. You want to explain what well, this uh, thing is? Well, so uh, so I cannot take credit for this, uh, Father Brian. You probably know Father Bob McCabe. He's been a spiritual director here at seminary for a while. Uh, he's he's our my pastor over at. Um, Divine Child, that's where I'm assigned, and uh, he's actually on retreat this week, uh, but this was, when would this, would this have been like last fall maybe that we made this discovery? I don't remember when you guys made this discovery. <laughs> well, I, I think it was last fall, and uh, we decided we were going to have hot dogs for lunch, and uh, we just went to the fridge, and we found everything that might sound good on a hot dog, or that Father Bob thought might sound good on a hot dog. And uh, kind of threw it together, and it tasted really good. We ended up calling it uh, the Detroiter. So it has artichoke hearts on it. Um, that's the, yeah, I would never have put those on a hot dog. Uh, what else does it have? Coleslaw, spicy mustard, and tomatoes. And it's actually pretty good. And pepper, right? And pepper, pepper, yes. And the bun is always toasted. And I'm not a fan of, of hot dogs. Father you, Brian. You just don't like hot dogs at yeah. all, do you? Father Brian, do you put hot dogs? Do you eat hot dogs, and what do you put on your hot dogs? <laughs> if I brought hot dogs home, my Chaldean mother would hit me with one of them or the whole pack. She'd probably throw it on my face. Because, yeah. I mean, your culture has some really, really good food. And, like, mm. when I was over at St. Fabian, um, every now and then uh, my pastor would go to uh, the Chaldean uh, club out there, and he would always come home with a huge pan of beef kufta. Yeah. And we made Beef kufta, everything. I mean, we would put it in our ramen noodles, we would put it in our <laughs> eggs, we would put it on top of rice, whatever and anything. It was just, it was a sad day when there was no beef kufta left in the fridge. <laughs> it's yes. about right. Yeah, that sounds about it's right. awesome. Yeah, but we, I, I can't stand hot dogs myself. And, and the reason why is because our first dog growing up as a kid wouldn't eat the dog food. So my mom decided to microwave two hot dogs every single day cut it up and put it on top of the dog food. So I associate hot dogs with dog food. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog's probably still preserved with how many nitrates are stuck into that dog for 10 years. <laughs> so um, hot dogs, uh, not, my, not my biggest thing. For me, um, this year uh, or this, uh, this month was a blessing in which I got to go to a number of different Thanksgiving Masses. If you don't know what that is, uh, we had three guys who were ordained for the Archdiocese of Detroit. And a Thanksgiving Mass is usually the, the man will go back to his home parish. Uh, they'll probably have a party for him, but he does a special Mass where everybody comes out and he does this kind of Mass of Thanksgiving for the parish, all their support, all their prayers. And maybe if he had, uh, you know, an intern parish that he went to or maybe somewhere else that he grew up, he would go back to those parishes as well. So I got to go to all those uh, special events and to see these uh, priests say one of their first Masses. So it was really beautiful to see. And I think back in the day, and I don't know if still as our resident smart person, Father David, <laughs> is there still indulgence? 
indulgences tied with going to Thanksgiving masses or blessing by a newly ordained priest or anything like that? Well, I, I believe there is. Um, I believe going to the first mass of a priest, it, you can get an indulgence for that, and actually getting a blessing from a priest any time in their first year of ordination. Uh, that comes with a special indulgence as well. Yeah, it was it was actually interesting for me this year. It was um, it was the first year I didn't really get to go to a lot of masses of Thanksgiving as a seminarian. You know, you're, you you have a little more uh, freedom to, you know, go out on the weekends. And now I'm at a parish, and so all these guys are having their masses of Thanksgiving on the weekend, and I. I gotta be at my parish. Yeah, you can't but, go. <laughs> we, we we did have one actually. Father Zaid came back and did a mass of Thanksgiving at Divine Child, so I was able to join him for that. Yeah, a lot of people were there. He preached a really good homily, and yeah. uh, I think he was a little bit nervous, but he did such a great job. If you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't have never known that he was nervous. So no, he did like, great. Just like a pro. Just great. like a pro. Well, enough uh, small talk here, Father Brian. Uh, you know, we got you on the show. Want to talk a little bit about your vocation story because each of our vocation stories are very unique, and maybe you can touch the heart of a, a, a man who is listening on, on uh, online right now. Um, so, you want to kind of just go into your vocation story and talk a little bit about that. Maybe we can talk also a little bit what it means to be part of an eparchy and, and that type of stuff as well. Okay, sounds good. If I go on and on, just do this with your fingers and okay. tell me to wrap it up. So. <laughs> Chaldeans, we talk, you know, so. That's a good thing. <laughs> talk away. <laughs> um, so my vocation story, I, I would say, probably started um, when it, it, it came into reality where um, everything that the world said was going to make us happy just didn't. So um, I was blessed. I was, so I graduated high school. I started working for a company right away uh, as an intern. Volkswagen had their corporate office out in mm. Rochester Hills, so I was working there, just taking incoming calls. I was an 18-year-old guy just uh, you know, doing summer work there, and um, I basically stayed there for 10 years. So within 10 years, everything, again, that the world said was going to make you happy, um, so I was able to, to, to work there uh, even after the summer internship. And uh, within the five different jobs, so like climbing that corporate ladder, I did five different jobs within 10 years. That, um, that last job that I did um, for five years, I was a uh, quality analyst, so I was listening to incoming calls from the United States, for, and so, but no one knew that I was recording them. You know that annoying thing in the beginning of a call? This mm -hmm. call may be monitored. And so I'm the guy that was monitoring the phone calls, just making sure that the information that the, 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 the representatives, because I was in the finance department, so that last part was Volkswagen credit that I was working for, so um, it was our asset. So anyone who leased a Volkswagen or, or, or an Audi had to go through our department because it's our asset. We wanted what's gonna, what's, what we're going to do with it. And so there were just certain cars that we didn't want back, and so um, we would try to push certain cars, um, like offer incentives and whatnot. So um, just everything, everything that, you know, that again, that the world said was, was going to, you know, just really, um, but I found myself like just wanting that next job and wanting that next job and then wanting that next job and then, um, as I continued to move up within the company, they would also come with incentives. So obviously more money. So I was, I was a 24-year-old kid living at mom's house because Chaldeans, you don't move out until you're 30 or 40 or married. <laughs> so here I am, this young guy making a bunch of money, f um, crazy. And um, What kind of car did you drive? I drove a Volks. Or I so my last car was, uh, I had an Audi TT convertible. Nice. Mm. So I was styling. I was a big <laughs> oh, yeah. out there. So. <laughs> and But even with that being said, because I was like, okay, this car is going to make me happy. Happy. And then I would get a different car, and this car's gonna make me. I was like, once I get this convertible, I've made it. I'm, 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 I'm on top of the world. 
And so I remember even like that day, I picked up the car from the from the Audi dealership, and the the dealership is right right off M fifty nine, right off the highway. So I drove out, felt mm-hmm. like a million dollars, got off the parking lot, got onto the ramp to get onto the highway, and I just felt like completely empty inside. And I was just bummed mm. by that because I was like, this is gonna do it. It's always that next thing. Um, and so um, so the money, the cars, the clothes, sitting in meetings with very important people. And uh, just something within my heart just started saying, I was in a, I was in a relationship and this, I was thankful because I was dating a very great Chaldean girl. Um, my mom loved her, I met her family, she had met mine, but it wasn't like formal, but we were moving that direction. And uh, w- I'm glad I had her because she just kind of like put me in my place when it came to certain things. Mm-hmm. I was, I never fell off with the Catholic faith, I was practicing. So when I, I fast forwarded from 18 because nothing really, you know, prior to 18 years old, um, I was pretty faithful, just, you know, went to mass, you know, parents wasn't really, didn't have much option at that point, but I started to fall off a little bit as I started to get engulfed in the world and started following the secular world and money again and, and, and college and all that stuff. So uh, she really put me in my place. She put me in my place, said like, <laughs> you're, you're not going to mass every single Sunday. Um, you barely go to confession anymore. Like I, I would never marry somebody like you. Wow. And that was something for me like, oh, well, I'll show her, you know, I'm going to get mm-hmm. my act together, you know. And um, but I'm, I was happy to have her because she she showed me, uh, you know, why, you know, like I, I knew why we should confess. But she was very patient, but challenging. And I think that lacks like my friends, my own guy friends weren't challenging me. And here this girl's mm-hmm. challenging me. And, um, you know, so so I was I was just getting more into my faith. Um, and as I start to get more and more into my faith and I was realizing that this secular world that I was living in and everything that I was doing was just kind of leaving me more and more empty. So I was really being drawn in this direction. Um, my buddy was entered into seminary here and I hadn't seen him for a couple of years. Uh, I we actually lost, tr- lost track for like five years. Didn't, uh, uh, and then I ran into him by accident. I was like, where have you been? And he was like, I'm actually discerning priesthood. And I was like, what, why, why would you mm. want to do that with your life? What's, what's wrong with you? And, um, you know, he just, we swapped numbers because uh, we hadn't seen each other for a while. And he was like, let's keep in touch. Uh, two weeks later, I was walking into St. Anastasia's has an adoration chapel. So I was walking into the adoration chapel. He was walking out. We had a conversation outside that basically like he, for the first time ever, someone had ever asked me, have you ever thought about becoming a priest? Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was feeling very overwhelmed in my, um, just, I was going 110 miles per hour, um, not with the Audi, with, with life, just <laughs> going 110 <laughs> miles per hour. Just with everything, I was, um, my parents own a business, of course, Chaldeans, we own liquor stores. So <laughs> I, was, I was helping my parents out of the store. I was working for Volkswagen full-time as a, as a supervisor in the department. I was helping out with retreats. I was serving um, for young adults. I was helping out with the retreats. I was serving at church. I was dating. I was trying to be a good friend. And so I was just all over the place. I was a mess and there was no silence in my life. So at that point, I just came to the realization, like my anxiety was really high and I just had to like just needed silence. So as you, you know, going to adoration and whatnot, and just sitting there reading the scripture verses, I found a lot of peace, like a peace that I've never really experienced ever before. Mm. So just spent a lot of time in adoration, even broke up uh, because broke up with, uh, with broke out of the relationship because I just needed peace and I didn't have mm-hmm. it. I just felt like everything was equal and I couldn't prioritize and I was being pulled in so many different directions. So as was, I was the thought of priesthood on the back of your mind when you broke up with her or no, was it more of just no. So I, I, I know I'm going back and forth. So yeah. just I, I dropped everything um, and including like I was working on my master's degree at that time. So I just dropped everything I dropped my classes. 
you know, told my parents I couldn't help out at the store anymore. Didn't I exited the relationship? You know that whole it's not wow. you, it's me. Yeah. It really was me. Like I was a mess. <laughs> I needed to get my act together. But you needed to go to the desert. Yeah, literally. Yep. Yeah. So um, yeah, noise. There was no no. I, even if God was calling me, I'm sure He was calling me. Even if He was calling me, there was no way in a million years I, I could have heard Him at mm-hmm. that point. So um, just kind of uh, you know so so broke everything off. Ran into my buddy that I was telling you about. He asked me about priesthood. And at that point, I felt like my whole life changed within that, that second. As soon as he asked me that question, hmm. as soon as he asked me, have you ever thought about becoming a priest? Everything that, everything that the world said was going to make you happy, all of a sudden I knew that wasn't the truth and that was a lie and that that priesthood mm-hmm. was the answer for me. Was this the first time you ever thought about it? This though? was the first time. I was wow. 26 years old. Wow. I was 26 years old and I never thought about becoming a priest ever. It was never on my mind. Um, and so at this point, I, so at this point I was like, okay, well this is, it made sense to me. I was like, I want to go tomorrow. You know, I was like, this is Mm -hmm. now, is this after a couple months where you kind of were in the silence, in the silence, three months, Mm -hmm. three months inside, like it was three, four months. I kind of like backed off from everything, took it slower. You know, I was still working my corporate job, but I had silence. I was making a, a point to go to adoration daily. I was in there for a couple of hours sometimes. And so, uh, you know, just really just soaking in the, the, the peace. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, peace is not a feeling. It's a person. That was a reality that Jesus mm. is peace, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted peace, I like but that. I thought that the world was going to give it to me. And I found myself more and more anxious. And so um, at that point, I decided, like, this is a real thing. God, you got to, you know, show me. Like, this is what you're calling me to do. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and then just if I went through all the different stories of how God was showing me, um, one story, and I'll keep it short, is that um, St. Sterling's uh, Methodius has a, a Easter, a Lenten symposium every year. Mm-hmm. So I'd gone to that, and um, I was asking, at that point, I was asking, like, Lord, you just have to make this very clear to me. Is this something you're calling me to do? Like, I'm ready to step away from, from everything if, if this is what you're, what you're asking me to do. I was that convicted by it. And so I went there, and then um, three different times I got a, th- a flyer for the symposium three different times and I'd never signed up and I was like, I'll go, maybe I'll go, maybe I'm not. And then the last time I went to my corporate job and then face down, my, my employees used to put their timesheets face down on the uh, on my keyboard for me to put in the input their time. Well, I was going through them and then the, the flyer was there on my <laughs> desk at <laughs> work and I have no idea how it got there. So like, wow. okay, I gotta go to this. I don't know why, but I have to go to it. So I go to it and then the first speaker, nothing, second speaker, nothing, third speaker, he gets up there and he's like, there are men who are, there must have been a thousand people there. He was like, there are men that are here right now that are being called to religious life, that are being called to be priests, and, they, and, and they're, not, they're not sure they want to do it. They're being cowards about it. Take a chance. Jesus mm. takes a chance with you. Why yeah. are you afraid? And I'm like, oh, my God, is, is he talking? Like, he, he must Challenge have been talking you. to me, you know? Because yeah. I was wondering, like, you know, and um, so then I, 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 I heard his talk, left, walked to my car, and then I was like, you know what? Holy Spirit, I need to talk to this priest. How am I going to find him? I have no idea. So I walk back into the church. He's walking towards me. <laughs> and I'm like, Father, I got to talk to you. This is what's going on. And um, he was like, it makes sense. He was like, I work um, uh, He was like, I work at, at the Vatican. He was like, I'm here be- for one day, and I have no idea why God's going to send me across the world. But after you just explained to me what's going on in your life, I feel like God sent me here for you. Wow. And I'm That's like, amazing. it was just, it was crazy. So then wrap it up, you know, uh, I started to tell my parents. That was a big hurdle, right? So Chaldean, I don't know how it is for in the Roman Catholic, but in Chaldean families, <laughs> they, as pious as we are and how, you know, we're, we're so devoted and, mm-hmm. and we, we fled ISIS in Iraq, you know, our parents to come here to, to practice their faith. The last thing they want is for their children to become priests or religious. Really? Yeah. So it's not something that's really promoted in, um, in our mm-hmm. culture. 
Um, they think like you can be a subdeacon or you can be a de. Well, we don't have permanent deacons. We have transitional deacons, but they're like you can be a subdeacon, which you can still be married and what's, serve the church. What, yeah, what's a subdeacon? You want to explain? A that? subdeacon is basically. It's an installation versus an ordination. Okay. So you're just installed, like to be able to read the St. Paul letter or to read uh, Old Testament. Um, you're also able to do the uh, the thoroughfare. That's specific, specific um, you know, where that's uh, specific in our right, where where there are certain parts of the Mass where a subdeacon has to do that. So um, so m- m- when I told my parents, they it, there was a lot, a lot of like very, very there just a lot of background, especially my mom. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. against it. Very much against it. I mean, my, my mom said, if you do this, you're not welcome back in the family. Wow. So if wow. you go, you know, like, and, and again, I, I know that she, she really, she thought the world, I was successful in the world, you yeah. know, and from that perspective, you know, I'm throwing my life away. And yeah. so um, I'm like, well, you gave me the faith, so I'm confused <laughs> why you're confused. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just knew I had to, and I had good friends. Thank God I had, I had a really, really good, you know, two, two guy friends who knew, the scriptures very well, and he they challenged me. You know, it, Jesus says, "Whoever loves father or mother more than me, brother or sister more than me, is not worthy of me." So I knew yeah. I had to make a decision, and the Holy Spirit gave me the the power to do that, not on my own because I'm a coward and I didn't want to do it. I want to run away and just kind of be comfortable, but I knew that the Holy Spirit. I knew in my heart that God was calling me to do. It. I knew I knew in the depths of my soul that God was calling me to do it, and I knew that you know I will have to suffer. You know, if, if that's what God's calling me to do, it's not meant to be easy. It's not gonna you know it doesn't say it's gonna be a walk in the park. He says, "Pick up your cross and." follow me and he gave me the grace to do that because there is no way by myself I could have done that yeah. mm-hmm. so um, how, yeah, did, how did your parents come around because you're you're not the first person uh, has told me that that their parents were against that mm-hmm. so if someone listening in right now who's afraid to maybe tell their parents I don't, what would you say to them what what happened with your parents to make them understand yeah I, I what I would so I would say a couple things um, number one that it it, it it does come with suffering. If there's that backlash, it is, it's going to hurt. And uh, I do remember that. I remember telling. I remember telling. Uh, I remember telling the father, saying, "God, the father, like, I won't enter until like until my parents start accepting it, or you know, I need to know that they're okay with it before I enter." But God mm-hmm. taught me to give up control. Like that's me bossing God around. And God's mm-hmm. like, "Don't you know? Like, <laughs> I need you to take a back seat, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I'm calling you, and it's going to be on my time." And I was like, "But I need to, I need them to be okay, so I can be okay." Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't okay. So I remember the day I left for seminary. My car is packed. My mom is in the garage crying. Um, wow. We went about three months not talking, um, and then from the year and a half that I told them, the first three months were. It was chaos. I mean, I'm not even gonna like downplay it to make it sound like it was nice and cute. It, there yeah. was, remember Mother's Day? I gave my mom a Mother's Day card and she just whipped it across the room. Not because she's, she's a bad person. Yeah. I understand now. Like moms want and dads want best. What's best for us? They they love us. They think that they know what's best. Yeah. But you know, uh, the first commandment: do God's will, right? And then the yeah. fourth commandment: honor father and mother. So I knew of God, and I knew God was calling me, reading the scriptures, spending mm-hmm. time in silence all the external signs that were happening through that one story that I told you versus another hundred of them. And having good help. I had a really, really good spiritual director at the time, just as a layman, you know, who just wanted to grow in my Catholicism as a, as a Catholic man. I wanted, I wanted to, and I had a good priest, spiritual director, um, who really fostered my vocation and and said like, this is going to be tough, you know, you'll weather Mm -hmm. the storm. And so I remember leaving in September for seminary, still there, not a hundred percent, mostly my mom, my dad's, very laid back. I always say my dad's like St. Joseph, very cool, very gentle. My mom's like mother, she's a combination of Mother Teresa and Mike Tyson. So <laughs> you, so she's the one that you got to be careful of that that left right hook, you know, you don't know when it's coming, but um 
so but then we came left in September came home for um, you know Thanksgiving and then she was a little bit better because she saw I was good right like God gave me a lot of graces yeah. I was happy I think she thought and I remember her saying you know like you know, um, you're going to sit in a room and pray all day amongst four walls. That's depressing. That's sad. And she didn't mm. want that for me, right? But she didn't understand, you know, what the priesthood is, right? And mm -hmm. um, really what it entails. And then I came home for uh, Christmas. And then she was, you know, saw that I was like, my, I was hanging out. I was loud. I was being, you know, I was being myself. And yeah. she she saw that and like kind of her, her, her you know, she realized like this is, this is okay. Yeah. And mm -hmm. fast forward until um, now she's obviously like, very, very, very proud. She's annoyingly proud, right? Like <laughs> we went to the Apple store the other day yep. and I'm sitting at the, that little like genius, genius bar or whatever, genius bar, or whatever it's called. And she's behind me and she's talking to some, some guy. And I'm like, Oh my God, she's telling him I'm a priest. She doesn't even know him. This <laughs> and that. So I walk back. I'm like, mom, you're ready. She's like, this is my son. He's a priest. This was the one I was telling you about. I'm like, mom, he probably doesn't care. He's like, oh, okay, well, nice to meet you. I'm like, mom, let's go. We got to wrap this up, you know? So it's very supportive, very loving. And, um, you know, she's come, a, she's come a long way too, right? That, yeah. you know, God was teaching me to give up control. She lost control for her own salvation. She needed to, that control, right, I, that I had, that she had. She wanted me to stay. I needed God to do something for her. Mm -hmm. That control is, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not a virtue, right? And so we needed to both surrender. I grew yeah. in my, in my, in, to be a virtuous man. And she grew, you know, that, that control can you know, can really paralyze us. And so um, it was on God's timing and, and I see the fruits now, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And she's super proud um, and she loves telling people and she's just, like I said, she's annoyingly uh, supportive. Yeah, so. and a lot of times I think growth happens not only through silence, but a lot of times through difficulty, some oh, type of sure. suffering, some type of pain, you just grow in wisdom and grow closer to the Lord, especially if you rely just on God's grace, because mm -hmm. like you said, we can't do it alone. So, I mean, I, I can't imagine, I don't know if I could have went through something like that to not have my parents uh, support me in that regard, um, to be able to come back home for the weekend or just for a day and ask for 20 bucks for gas or something <laughs> like that. But right. uh, no, it's, it's, it's amazing that, uh, you know, even in the midst of that difficulty, you still said yes to God and you still found peace in the midst of that trial. And I think if what you're saying to the potential men out there who might be in the same situation as you were, that, uh, you know, don't be afraid that, yeah, it might get difficult, but it always gets better. Yeah, 100 percent. And I, I will just add that. Um, my mom's name is Mary, and so uh, I went to the Blessed Virgin Mary as well. Like I, so I just encourage any guy that's in that situation, or just any guy who's discerning. Forget the difficulties, right? That I remember going to Mary and saying, you know, I need an encouraging mother right now. Like I, I don't have an encouraging mother in my life right now, and I need you, Mary. So like I cultivated that relationship with Mary. Um, I, it was there but prior to, to all this, but it was like it wasn't as like as as like active. And so I went to her and I said, I, you, you are my only mom right now, it seems like, because I think I'm losing my earthly mom. And so I remember throwing, you know, like just asking Mary to intercede for me. And I said, no matter. And, and God gave me this this and it came from the Holy Spirit must have been. But I remember saying to Mary, um, you're a mother who can only help another mother because no matter what I'm saying to my mother, it's not working. So you're a mother who can help another mother who's in need and you lost your son. So my mom knows what she feels like she's losing me. So mm -hmm. you're, you're my, you're my bridge. Like, yeah. like I just give it up to you, Mary, like you have to be the one who intercedes and this, and, and, and I'm till this day will say that Mary intercede for the Mary in my life, which is my mom. Yeah. And, um, you know, that my, er my heavenly mother was helped my earthly mother, but helped me as well as her earthly son, uh, Mary as, as her spiritual son. 
just took me under her wing. And so that's, you know, I'm, I'm indebted to Mary yeah, for that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I, beautiful. Mary, our mother in heaven, I mean, is just, a, if you don't have a devotion to the Blessed Mother, get one. Don't consider it. Don't think about it. Get mm-hmm. one. You need it. 100%. Pray the rosary. Pray the rosary daily. Uh, the Blessed Mother is such a beautiful uh, mother, an aid, a help, protection, guide, anything and everything that you could possibly want you can have in the Blessed Mother. She will bring us to her son, Jesus. So I just want to echo what you're saying, Father Brian, that um, many times in my life, although not the same situation, but uh, to go to the Blessed Mother, especially in deep moments of darkness or confusion, the Blessed Mother has always been a great guide. Father David, do you have a devotion to the Blessed Mother? Do you need to get one? I, I sure do. I sure <laughs> do. you know who yeah. she is, David? Yeah. <laughs> I think I've heard Father of her. David, do you know who yeah. she is? I'll introduce you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I would echo that. I think especially for priests um, or men discerning the priesthood, it's so important to be able to go to our Blessed Mother. Um, there's just, I think there's a special relationship that priests have with the Blessed Mother um, and that she kind of sees them as her sons in a, in a very unique and special way. I know I've, I've seen that. And even just like for me, it's it's praying the rosary, um, but also just taking some time in the evening when I do that little examine and night prayer of just like kind of doing that with the Blessed Mother. And it's almost like the image I have is when, when I was little and uh, I was out late, it didn't matter how late it was, mom was waiting up for me when I got back. And, uh, you know, you were going to get the question, so how was your day? <laughs> you know, and she didn't want just, it was good. You know, she wanted details. And it, so it's like, it's like that, that little moment at the end of the day to just sit with your mother, your heavenly mother, and just go over the day with her. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a really beautiful time and a uh, beautiful way to really get to know her. And, yes, she brings you to Jesus. Yeah. Amen. So, Father Brian, let's back it up just a little bit because, I mean, that's great that you explained that because I'm sure other people are in that same exact situation. But like, what were you doing before you, en- like right before you entered the seminary? Like, what was your prayer life like? What mm-hmm. was, what was your daily habit? I mean, did you go to mass every day? You said you went to adoration a lot. Like, what were you doing to prepare yourself to make this leap and seemingly on your own almost? Yeah, so I would, you know, um, I just was challenged with the scripture verses. Like, I, I mean, the, I mean, as vocations director, when guys come to me and they, and I n- know this from prior to entering, right? When guys come to me and say they want to enter seminary, I'm like, okay, why? How do you know? Has God ever spoken to you? And they're like, well, there was this one time. I'm like, no, 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 you don't get it. Like, someone explained to me, if you're not reading, the most sure way to hear God's voice is through the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So if God was calling me to be a priest, well, I that that's where I was being challenged by by just growing in my relationship, even with a girl that I was dating, was like, you need to read the scripture verses, not about vocations. She didn't want me to find that <laughs> vocation. She wanted me to, you know, just to get my act together. But uh, like just, you know, and, and having the guy friends that I had that knew the scripture verses so well, I remember like, okay, God, well, I, I guess you speak through the scripture verses, what these people are, all my my friends who are holier than me mm-hmm. are telling me, so I'm going to go to the scripture verses, so talk to me. Well, we b- be careful what we're asking for, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I just, and it was, it, this is going to sound, you know, so so I would just say, like, the scripture verses for sure, but having somebody to help you interpret what the scripture verses are. So again, I had a mm-hmm. really good spiritual director, so a guy should find a spiritual director. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a priest, right? Somebody who knows theology, somebody who knows the scripture verses. It could be an elderly, you know, good practicing Catholic, like somebody, you know, so I think sometimes when we think of spiritual direction, we think of it should be a priest. Well, that's nice, but... You know, I, uh, you know, it's impossible for all the different requests that we get for, to be able to spiritually direct everybody, but mm-hmm. having a good spiritual director, um, so I had that. I had a good spiritual director. I was reading the scripture verses daily. I think at the time, I don't want to sound overly, you know, 
devoted, devout, devoted. Um, I was overly devoted. At the time. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> I was doing all these things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I we'll get on your level one day, Father Craig. We just, you know, we're gonna work on it, Father David That's and I. Right. You know, we're in your we're in your shadow. We you aspire know? to, yeah, it. yeah. So we aspire one day. <laughs> oh man. So um, and then just you know sitting just and and so when when I when God wasn't speaking to me the scripture verses, I realized that there could be something about a book that through the author of a Catholic book of on prayer, discernment, vocation, give God an mm-hmm. opportunity. We just have to give an opportunity to speak. Right, so he's not bound by the Bible, which for sure he's in the Bible, but he speaks through a good Catholic author. I was listening to podcasts, I was listening to stuff on Formed or the Augustine Institute. I was always looking for talks or something, just you know, even YouTube videos. So God always provides the opportunity if we give it to Him. Um, and I, I was just, I was hungry. I was thirsty. I, I just, it, like again, you mentioned being in a desert. I was in a desert and didn't even realize it. So mm-hmm. I was just like, I was so, so thirsty for Jesus and had no idea how to find Him. And then just spending that time in adoration, um, just found a lot of peace there, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I, I was going to Mass. I was at, including about two to three, uh, I think, additional Masses besides Sunday Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, praying the rosary. You know, I always found that still till this day, I think that when we hear about priests, when we hear about priests, uh, you know, uh, or just in general, you mentioned the rosary. Till this day, I still find it a struggle to pray the rosary. I get distracted very mm-hmm. quickly, but you know what? I know it's a, I know it's a powerful, uh, uh, it's a weapon. And so even, and I've always struggled with like attention and and whatnot. So I had to get creative, you know, how to how to pray the rosary, right? So yeah. like just kind of like the redundancy, it, 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 I lose focus. But I, I was getting to praying the rosary. Um, there's apps for it too. There's sometimes apps for I play it. it on the, you know, on my mm-hmm. phone or yeah. on the car drive, and someone yes. said. That's not fair. You can't do it. That <laughs> it's like, oh, you can do it however you want. Yeah. <laughs> I, pull, I, I pull up now. I pull up the YouTube videos on the on the mystery. Mm-hmm. So like that three, four minute. And I'm just oh, praying yeah. the Hail Mary silently as I'm watching the YouTube video. Yeah. And if someone said, visual, you can't right? watch YouTube while praying the rosary. I'm like, yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, it's a devotion. Um, it's a devotion. <laughs> yeah. um, so and just, you know, changing my environment, right? The, the, the guys that I was hanging out with back in the day, you know, I was praying to be holy. I want to grow in my holiness as a Catholic man. But the guys that I was hanging out with were not pulling me in that direction. So I knew that I had to, you know, make some choices, mm-hmm. um, you know, still to kind of keep them around. But, you know, I need I knew who I can be with if I was serious about not even discerning a call to the priesthood. That was secondary. I just knew that I had to, um, you know, I need to need needed to, to, to my surroundings needed to change if I was serious yeah. about just being a Catholic man. Right. Yeah. That's my primary vocation to try to be holy, to get to heaven, yeah. to cultivate that relationship with Jesus. So I needed to start there. Um, and through there, and I would tell men till this day, Father Craig, you probably tell people so, t- as vocations director, I tell guys, don't worry about your secondary vocation, beef up your primary vocation. Mm-hmm. Beef it up and you'll find your secondary vocation. Yeah. And it comes through, but you know, um, and so if we live out our primary vocation, and that's where I started, just trying to like be more serious about faith, about my Catholicism, being able to defend it. I was taking apologetics classes. You know, when people were asking me questions in corporate world about like, why do Catholics do this? I don't know how to answer it. Or why, what do you guys believe about this? And, you know, uh, I would go to non-denominational Bible studies, right? And I was like all about it because I was interested. And I would go and they're like mm-hmm. telling me that Catholics were wrong. And I didn't know why we were wrong, right? So just in my those those 10 years that I spent yeah. in corporate America, like I would just, you know, so, so uh, just studying, praying, silence. Yeah, you want to name some of those books that were really uh, influential for you? Uh, for um, for d- discernment? Yeah. I mean, anything that is, was really helpful for you that kind of stirred up your soul. I mean, I've read some books that were, 
I don't know, kind of amazing for me in, in that it really didn't speak necessarily to my specific vocation, but as I was reading it, I yeah. could feel my heart ache. Mm-hmm. I feel, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say too, come right off the bat, Be a Man by Father Larry Richards. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. You know, I give that book out. Sometimes guys get mad at me for penances. I'm like, look, (laughs) and I give them, I was like, your penance is to read this. And they're like, the whole book? I'm like, let's, your penance is the first three pages, you know? (laughs) Or read two pages every day for the next three days. It's a great book. Such an easy read. Father Larry is awesome. He's funny. He's also very, he's bold. So I just want to be a better man, right? And it's, it's, uh, you know, so so I read that, uh, read that book, Consoling the Heart of Jesus. I had the wrong idea of who Jesus was. You know, I thought he was, you know, this, I was a modern day Jan thinking that Jesus is just mad at me, expecting perfection from me mm-hmm. and, and seeking mm-hmm. for me to, um, you know, to, you know, er, you know, I was ashamed to go to, I was going to confession, you know, and, you know, I kept coming back for the, you know, same sins. And I thought God was mad at me. And so this, mm-hmm. this, this book, Consoling the Heart of Jesus by Father uh, Michael Gaintley just changed, it changed my whole perspective on yeah, how that's Jesus That's a $5 is. word, though. What's a Janus? Or a Jansenist. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're trying to take Jansenist. the role of uh, resident I'm smart I'm coming person. after you. I'm coming after your, your title. Give me a run for my money. <laughs> no, Jansenism is, uh, it comes from the, the Jansenist heresy of uh, where you have to be basically going on in France during the time of uh, um, St. Margaret Mary, when the Sacred Heart, when Jesus revealed his Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. So just like that in France, that this heresy was going around that you had to be perfect to approach Jesus. They were putting pictures of Jesus with a sad, upset, angry face in front of the tabernacles because mm-hmm. bishops and, and, and priests said, like, you can't approach Jesus. Oh, wow. So like, um, yeah, so this... It was the idea you have to be perfect before you go to God, right? Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. don't even dare approach the... And so Catholics weren't going to Mass during that time. They were afraid yeah. of Jesus. This kind of like would never receive the Eucharist for like years. Years. Yeah. And bishops were like happy about that, and so and a lot of people feel that way. I mean, 100%. being a pastor for five oh, years sure. and just talking to certain people, they're in their seventies or eighties, and they still don't believe that God loves them. That God's love is for everybody else except for them, yeah. and that God's mm. mercy is for everybody else except not their sins. Yeah, you know, somehow so. they got to get to a place to make them perfect before they can be loved. Yeah, yeah. and it's God yeah. who makes us perfect. Absolutely. Mm. So that book changed my whole perspective. I was blown away. When I read name the book the again. So, Consoling the Heart of Jesus okay. by Father Michael Gaintley. Okay. Um, and if if um, Saint Mary Alico is how yeah. you say that. Yeah. Her book Mary is really Alico. good about the yeah. priesthood too. On the priesthood, yeah. she she wrote a book on the priesthood. I think so. Maybe I think so. It's like yeah. the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the priesthood. Or yeah. Something like yeah. That. Check that yeah. out. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's yeah. Good. So, the, but if um, if you want an easier read, so I also besides the uh, Consoling the Heart of Jesus, then he also wrote another book called Thirty Three Days to Merciful Love. That book mm. is amazing. It's a 33-day reading, not the 33 days to morning glory, which is on the Blessed Virgin blessed Mary, which is also another Which you should book. do anyways, because yeah. you want to consecrate yourself <laughs> to the Blessed absolutely, Mother. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. So, um, but just a really good daily reading on Jesus' merciful love. And he used a lot of St. Therese, just, you know, like her little way and how she was so small. And man, I could go on for hours. But yeah. it just I was just blown away and, and just like, wow, God loves me. You know, mm-hmm. this past Easter, I think people were offended. I said, like, we're losers. You know, and people were like, wait, what, what did he just say? I was like, if you have a hard time believing we're losers, then you don't understand what Easter is about because we had lost our salvation. And people were like, Father, you called us all losers at Mass. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and you can read this book because it explains why we are losers, but not losers like in a condemning way. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're, we, were, we were on our way right to hell without, 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 without Jesus. Without any hope. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. without Jesus coming in to scooping us up and bringing us back to reality, so... Well, that's amazing stuff. Like, so what was your first year of seminary like then as you were kind of dealing with your mom and, and your parents and, and figuring that all out? 
Yeah. First year, first semester, like I, you know, like I don't know what the statistic is, but like I know a lot of guys leave like in that first semester. Yeah. yeah. A lot of guys first leave. year. And I understand why. Because you're coming in with so much baggage yourself, yeah. and then you then get like I remember me because I, I like I came I we came I came in with a, a bachelor's degree, so um, I had a, I was I was gonna finish the philosophy degree in two years versus three or four years like a, maybe someone who didn't have the the, uh, the 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 bachelor's degree prior, and so so coming in with my own baggage, uh, dealing with the family stuff, taking I remember eight classes my first semester oh because we also were had to take aramaic oh class we we, we learn aramaic rather than the La the roman catholic guys learn latin mm -hmm. so we took Ro we had to take latin i'm sorry we take uh aramaic so we had to besides all the philosophy classes i had to also mm -hmm. learn aramaic and um there was also another chaldean like spirituality so like our eastern spirituality is different than like the western spirituality and so um so there was eight classes and i'm like I don't know. I, I, I don't know if the, I'm cut out for this. This is like, mm -hmm. this is just too much. Like, and my mind was all over the place. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm undiagnosed ADHD, not to make like a joke out of it. Like yeah. I cannot focus already as it is. And, um, it was, it was just, just way too much going on. And, um, I knew that, um, that God wanted me to depend on other people. And I didn't want to do that. Corporate mm -hmm. world just trains you to you're, you're in charge just, you know, you run the show, you know, I was the supervisor and, you know, people don't, mm -hmm. you know, like, you don't ask for help. And God humbled me. He was like, look, you need a lot of help. So humble yourself and ask people for help. And I asked, uh, um, Father Paul Redman, I don't know if you remember him. No, Father, I don't Father know. Oh, yeah. You remember Paul? Father Paul Redman. Yeah. So he was, uh, I had, I had him and other guys, my classmates, like I made friends with them immediately. Like they were amazing. They like helped me. They, you know, so That's... God really wanted me to just get out of myself, yeah. get out of that, 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 that selfishness, that, you know that 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 pride right yeah. like and, i don't i don't want help you know i want to be do this by myself seminary does that so well right you do build you come out of there with like just a real like friendship where you're able to depend on other guys yeah it's one of the great things yeah and and especially i think uh, uh, the chaldeans do a good job of that uh, just uh, building those friendships yeah uh, that fraternity <laughs> you know uh, we're too good sometimes yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like we get nothing done because we're a social butterflies it's well, like just go in your room and yeah. lock the door. well in my time in the seminary the first year i came in at the college house you know the houses are separated so you have the college side and then you have the graduate side of the guys who are doing the masters of divinity and it's a little bit different. And, and the first year that I came in was hard for me as well because mm -hmm. I, I worked catering and worked until like 3 o'clock in the morning, sometimes slept until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> did my mm -hmm. artwork. So to have a schedule where I had to like wake up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock every single day, I just was tired for a whole year. I, in fact, I think I'm still tired. <laughs> <laughs> but, still um, recovering. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the next year... Um, can't remember the exact number it was like five or seven chaldean guys came in and the whole house just changed it was such a different environment it was fun mm -hmm. everybody wanted to hang out um now on thursdays I, they still do it on thursdays where we have a whole house a holy hour and we all pray before the blessed sacrament and then afterwards many of the guys would go to a place called oberg's here in the seminary it's it's a hangout it looks like a pub but it's just a hangout for guys mm -hmm. you know you can go and and watch tv play games and everybody would go there well 
we started going to this one Chaldean's guy's room because <laughs> he, he had he had drinks, he had a huge TV. It was fun. We started like <laughs> renting like movies yep. from the '80s, like Jean Claude Van Damme, and just watching the fight scenes that were really corny and playing them. It's like we had like 25 guys in his room like after the holy hour, and it was becoming a formation issue where they're like, you know, you guys need to go to Oberg's rather than separate <laughs> yourselves. So, I mean, talk about hospitality. It just was a lot of fun and. And the environment that um, they brought to the house was, was, you could tell there was a difference to it. So I think there's a beautiful blessing to have that different right that's coming mm-hmm. in. So maybe if you want to explain that a little bit, because, I mean, I can't, was it St. John Paul II that said something about, you know, the Eastern Rite is like the other half of the, you know, the yeah. other lung yeah. of the church yeah. and the two breathe together. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to explain a little bit like what an eparchy is, what what is your right, uh, all that different type of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would just... A, a, a parkey is just another word for a diocese, but it's an Eastern term. It's like an Eastern, an Eastern term. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, I just think of like, you know, we all know this here, but for those who don't know, like Catholicism is like in the umbrella. And then within, under the umbrella, there's all the different rites within the Catholicism. So Chaldean rite is one of the 23, 24, 25, 26. Something like that. Come yeah. on. Come See, on, residents. Come on. Smart. I don't know. <laughs> You're giving, know. You, you, you gave me ego earlier. So yeah, he knows know. everything yeah. and we're poking at it now. So. Uh-huh. But there's many different rights within the, the Catholic Church, and so um, and ha- what, however many of those twenty some rights are are Eastern, some are Western, and different. Uh, so we are just a different right under the Catholic umbrella. We follow the Pope. Um, uh, we everything is the same. Uh, we have the same creed. Mm-hmm. Everything we profess, we have stations of the cross. Uh, we have the Sacred Heart of Jesus devotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have priests. Um, Can a Latin right person go to your church and celebrate mass? So n- not celebrate like ritual. yeah. If you're just like laity and you're like, yeah. oh, I want to go to the Chaldean go church. Go to mass at a yeah, Chaldean to, church. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would. I would actually. Yeah, I would. I would actually encourage it in seminary. Yeah. They would do that. They would. They would have like visit different rites. So I would. Uh, I would actually. You know. I would. I would really encourage if you've never been to a Chaldean rite that attend a Chaldean rite mass. It's very beautiful. Um, not just it saying that. It's very beautiful. Yeah, no, it's, just, I, it's, it's, it's very beautiful. And it kind of like breaks up the the you know you're just used to a certain mass, yeah. which is the mass is beautiful. It's in itself, but then just to be able to hear different words. Um, we had um, Father Brett Brennan who wrote How to Save a Thousand Souls. He did a priest retreat for us. And then he attended our Cal- so we we celebrated Chaldean Mass. He was like, and he was like, "Can I have this book? He like our, our yeah. Mass book." He was like, "These these ma- and and our you know." So we say, and this isn't like you know to sound like oh we we spoke but Aramaic. So we we some of the some of the own words that we use in the Chaldean Mass, although it's translated in English, there are some parts which are in Aramaic, which goes back to the time of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So we've preserved the Aramaic language. So we we have masses that are in English. With a little bit, like ten percent of it is in Aramaic slash Chaldean, which Chaldean is a modern day Aramaic, and then there's a whole mass in Chaldean, uh, and then there is masses in Arabic because of we we fled. I mean, we're Iraqi. We don't have our own country as Chaldeans. We we stayed in mm-hmm. Iraq, yeah. and so we automatically learn the language because of of just the the that's the main language Proximity. in Iraq. Yep. Yeah. So the right is um, uh, it's 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 it's. it's just different traditions. Yeah. Uh, we still have the same words of institution that the Roman Catholic mm-hmm. Church has during their mass. 
Um, and uh, it feels similar, but it still feels totally different, different, if that yeah. makes sense. It's, yeah. it's a very interesting, just, um, I, I really liked going to Chaldean Liturgy. Didn't you serve at one? or didn't Actually, you actually yeah. I, I did, I did. I, I served at, at a Chaldean Liturgy once, uh, two of my classmates uh, who got ordained uh, this past year with who? me. Who uh, were they? Father Kevin and okay. Father Marcus. Okay, I was asking um, who because we're not, you know, if it was, it was Father Perrin, then his, no, his, no, no. his <laughs> might have been invalid. His, <laughs> he was a year ahead of me. Okay. So, um, <laughs> no, uh, I entered with Father Perrin, actually. We, oh, we, we uh, entered the same year. I got some stories about that, but another time. For another time. <laughs> um, but so I went with Marcus, and I served a Chaldean liturgy. And um, it was, it's very beautiful. As you know, though, there's a certain, there's a couple times, like, after the... Uh, the reading or before the readings or after like I think it's called the diptych where you say uh, Barakmar which mm-hmm. is like bless me Father good job so I went up there <laughs> I read the the diptychs I think is what I did and then I said Barakmar afterwards and I had like all these people coming up to me afterwards asking are you Chaldean you, you don't look Chaldean <laughs> because you that's know? the ha you did yeah. the ha very well if you could do the ha yeah. that's hard you know you get so, the, the little throat in yeah there. you got yeah. the you got the the the, the, the <laughs> you got to get in the back of your throat so good job you were, you impressed a lot of Chaldeans that day so. <laughs> I, I, you know we did we did those you know at the seminary we would go to different parishes and sometimes different rites and what I remember about that is that. It seemed like there were different, like you said, there were subdeacons that there were up there. There was a lot mm-hmm. of different things going on up in the sanctuary, and like, so what is? Well, we already kind of talked about what a subdeacon does and stuff like that. But yeah, anything else do you want to explain about the Eastern Rite? I mean, you know, some people say, well, can't Eastern Rite priests get married? Is that so for for your right? So in in America and in the United States, we follow Pope Francis and what the um, you know kind of what what's not kind of what's being done in the United States. So. Our priests are celibate, um, and even in Iraq right now, um, there's it's 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 not where. So back in the day, I think because of need, that men were able to get married versus it was mm-hmm. kind of open. Mm-hmm. Um, that but there are other Eastern rites um, outside of the Chaldean rite that do that. They're, they're, the priests are able to get married, yeah. um, but in our in the Chaldean rite specifically. In Iraq and here in America, we don't we don't follow we 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 practice celibacy for our priests, and we see you know obviously the fruits of it right that yeah. um that uh, I, I was talking to a, a Orthodox priest the other day who's married and has a kid, mm-hmm. he came to a wedding, and afterwards I was just like I didn't even know him so I just met him that day and he was like um I, and he was like and he was like I'm Orthodox I'm like oh nice to meet you and I was like and he was like I'm married I'm like oh wow any kids he's like yeah. I'm like, how do you do it? He was like, I don't. He was like, let me just tell you, I have a, I have a parish of 300 families. That's how I do it. Because if it was anything more than that, mm-hmm. I have no idea. So he was like, we were going back. He was even like, kind of saying to me, like, don't give me too much credit because it's 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 rough, right? Yeah. Being married mm-hmm. and having your own family and having a mm-hmm. and being a priest. So obviously, we see yeah. the fruits of it. Um, bishop Francis, which is our is our our bishop, you know. Um, so and and so maybe just the last thing I'll say about it is that we see the Archdiocese of Detroit as our older sister. So how that relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So Archbishop Vigneron and Bishop Francis. So um, you know they they work with each other. And he came to Sacred Heart Seminary too. Like yes, he was, Bishop yeah. Francis studied yeah. here mm-hmm. um, uh, as a seminarian. Um, he's on the board here for the seminary, uh, the 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 board of directors. Um, and so there is that. So there is that relationship between Archbishop Vigneron and and Bishop Francis. Uh, but Archbishop Vigneron was at Bishop Francis's ordination as 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 a, as a, uh, as a, uh, a bishop. So the relationship is there. They work very close with each other. Um, bishop Francis goes to Archbishop Vigneron often. You know, he sees him as mm. a very wise 
spiritual director, father, you know, um, he's been, you know, he's been a bishop for so long. So, um, and I love that we had that relationship, like this relationship here at the seminary, right? We're able to work yeah. together. Yeah, Eastern, Western, you know, but it kind of brings things together and the body of Christ that comes together. So mm -hmm. that's our relationship with the Archdiocese of Detroit. It's, 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 it's there and it's, it's strong. So yeah, which I think beautiful. is really great because it's not like you're just borrowing the seminary. Hey, can we just send our guys to classes? But you come in, you're formed the same way. And, mm -hmm. you know, you have to do a little bit of extra, like you said, learning Aramaic and, and of course, your, your practicum for Liturgy, mass and, yeah. and things yep. like that mm -hmm. is a little bit different. But for the most part, we're being trained the same way. I for mean, sure. would you say so? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we could start our own house of formation and what that would look like. But what Sacred Heart does here is, is just, it's phenomenal, right? You didn't pay me to say that either. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> no, but it's great. The great, great relationship, um, you know, the, the formators here are very flexible. The, the Dean of Studies is flexible to what our needs are, you know, how we, we celebrate, when we do, when we celebrate baptism and confirmation, it's at the same time for the Eastern, right? Where it's different mm -hmm. in the Roman Catholic Church. So when our classes can be a little bit different when it comes to the sacraments of initiation versus what, what we do. Actually, traditionally, we were, we would even give Holy Communion to little babies that was mm. hundreds of years ago we we don't do that anymore yeah uh but so like you know there is that flexibility that's why it works right yeah mm -hmm. that's so that's awesome most guys in the archdiocese of detroit who are of course latin right they're going to call me up as a vocation director if they're thinking about being a priest for the archdiocese you know, what do guys who are in the Chaldean Rite, you know, what do they need to do? Uh, they're going to contact you. How does that all work out? Like, I'm sure it's a little bit different than, than what we're doing. As the prep, like as the application process, or just discernment? You like know, the discernment. how do they get a hold of you? What kind of programs do you got? You know, what should a guy be doing before he's entering or discerning? You know, yeah. all that type of stuff. Yeah, I, w I mean, uh, my so my office is in Bishop Francis's office. Uh, office and at the cha uh, the chancery which is out in Southfield so um, if anyone wants to get a hold of me um, I can be uh, I can be contacted at our, our web our, not our website but it's vocations vocations at chaldeanchurch.org um, and we'll put this in the notes in the bottom so that guys can just click perfect, on it yeah and then I just you know I meet with men and uh, just sit with them try to meet with them every few months kind of see what's going on in their spiritual life um, we ask that a guy would, you know, spend, we don't, we don't accept guys right out of high school. I'm not sure if you do. Um, we do. We do Detroit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That so, was me. That was you? Yeah. That explains a lot. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, we just, uh, but that, that gives us a couple years to work with a guy to, to help him find a spiritual director to, you know, help him about the scriptures, you know, what, what to do, give him some reading material, um, you know, and check in every few months, kind of see what's going on, how things are going maybe some areas that there needs to be some growth in virtue, uh, push a guy maybe to serve at his particular church. So all of mm -hmm. the majority of our churches are in Metro Detroit. Yeah, so. And how many are there? Because it's, I mean, it's a different demographic if you think about it. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So the majority of our, so we have eight active Chaldean churches in Michigan. Okay. We have two in Chicago. So that's our, like, I just think of Michigan down. Um, and so um, we have a mission parish in Boston. And then we have a mission parish in Florida. I'm forgetting uh, the, 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 the city it's in. Uh, but so these are just like 200 families, these mission parishes. But, mm -hmm. the, you know, like a lot of our parishes there, we're heavily populated. So we have like 3,500 families at St. Thomas. Truly Saint, having 3,500 people, not like yeah. the books are wrong. Or right, 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 right. Like yeah. these mm -hmm. are, this is, you know, this is, uh, um, this is, yeah, every week. So. Um, this is what's not every week, but this is what's going on as, as, so we had these big parishes, um, 
and as we, uh, you know, so so just getting guys involved, go to, you know, teach teach communion, you know, go go mm-hmm. work with the youth group. Like your your pastor has to write a letter of recommendation. If he doesn't know you, then something's wrong. Something's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. He's got to be the one who says, yeah, I know this man. He's a good man. He's a man of virtue. He's here on a regular basis. Um, so just kind of cultivating that relationship with his pastor, but then at the same time, you know, entering into a relationship with us. Like if, you know, I kind of see is like this discernment process, it's like dating, right? Mm-hmm. So you, are you a good fit for us? Are we a good fit for you? Because maybe there, you know, so um, I think just in general, just kind of clarifying and helping that man discern, right? To direct the vocation, you know, and some guys are being called, they think they're being called to priest. And I'm like, as you have to, you know, sometimes say like, look, I, I, I love that you have this desire in your heart, but I'm here to kind of help you clarify that I feel like the whole, I feel like based on what you're telling me in our meetings over the last year or so, that you're moving in a different direction, you know? And so like have peace with that, have that clarity. Again, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't just want numbers, right? Yeah. We need, we need a man who is genuinely calling, where God is genuinely calling that person to, to be, uh, uh, to, uh, to. Yeah. And it's no judgment on anybody. I mean, we're just there to help people find their true vocation. Absolutely. And if it's not That's to right. the priesthood, well, then we want what's best for you and, and what's going to bring most fulfillment and happiness in your life. So, Absolutely. Yeah. You know. I would just say, so like, I just look for three things, happy, holy, healthy priest, right? Just look That's for right. a, a healthy priest who is, you know, just getting out there and, and, and you know, praying and, and it's just joyful, right? Joy is, we all know, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. So uh, to look always so rigid and angry and mean, you know, is probably not a sign that, uh, you know, that, 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 that. Like a Janice. (laughs) How come I can't say that? (laughs) It's because you never struggled with it. The struggle is not real for you. Okay. It struggles real for me because I wasn't, I am a modern day Jansenist. So. (laughs) Well, Father Brian, we're coming up on an hour here. I mean, is there anything that you would like to say, especially to uh, young men in the Chaldean, right, that, uh, you know, potentially have a vocation to the priesthood? Any words of encouragement or anything that you want to direct them at? Just men in general, even non the Cal- even the non Chaldean men, I would just say like we just need fortitude right now, like the the mm-hmm. gift, the mm-hmm. a supernatural courage right now. Yes. The church is on fire, but not in a good way, right? The church is on fire, and in in in, 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 in a, it's literally on fire, uh, not literally, but it's 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 uh, and so we need men that are gonna get in, go into the fire rather than run away from the fire, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the type of man I'm looking for. I'm sure it's the type of man you're looking for. And we so, want men, yeah, yeah, we yeah. want men. And sometimes I think we think men are like sports and muscular and this and that mm-hmm. and it's like that does not constitute a, a good a, a man right we just mm-hmm. want a man who loves jesus who who loves the church who wants to defend the church and wants to get into the fire get his hands dirty mm-hmm. i mean it's not a place for and i'm sitting in front of you two it's not a place for um you know for for uh, for laziness right now right there's no place mm-hmm. for laziness or timid you know just that being timid or uh, we just need a holy boldness, right? We're just looking for men yes. who have fortitude, and that comes from the Holy Spirit. That fortitude is like, we're go- it's an uphill battle, but we, we want to fight for Jesus, and we want to fight That's for right. the Holy Catholic Church. We have the truth, and because we have the truth, it's worth fighting for. So yeah. even if people are going to mm-hmm. not like you after a homily or whatever the circumstance, or if your parents are not going to agree with you about your discernment, yeah. a man's got to step up at the end of the day. And again, I don't mean that like, be a man, step up. No, but no. be you know, ask for fortitude. Be who you were called to be. And, Absolutely. And, and there was a challenge. Several times you said it, right, that your girlfriend challenged you, right, in a good way. There were these challenges, but you were able to, you know, have that courage to step up. And that really is, that's the call, right? It's a call not to not to easy, but uh, to greatness. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it, just last thing I would say is the, the other thing is just we're so used to being comfortable, right, that it's okay to be uncomfortable. Like, we got to mm-hmm. get out of our comfort mm-hmm. zone. There's no, there's no place in the church for men who just kind of want to 
you know, be laid back. And yeah. so get uncomfortable within your parish now as a discerner before you even come and talk to your vocations director and live out that primary vocation. And I promise this is the last thing, because I told you, Chaldeans, we go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me a microphone and uh, expect me to- No, this is great. This, this is, is great. the last thing, just silence. I said it earlier and I'll yes. say it again. You know, um, I was reading an article and it said, there's three, there's three things that will uh, prevent a man from finding his vocation, noise, um, fear, and sometimes family and friends. So those are the three things. Mm. So if we, we don't let fear dictate our lives, right? As men, we just, we, we, we don't fall for the devil's lies of, of, of fear. Whether it's, I don't have what it takes, this is not for mm -hmm. me, I can't do this, I'm look at my past. So we, we don't give in to fear. We definitely need silence. That's only where we're gonna hear God's voice. Mm -hmm. um, so to get out of the, the noise, the social media, all that stuff, and put that stuff away for a little bit to really be able to discern. And then just, you know, be careful of family and friends, because as much as we think they have what's best for us and they want what's best for us, at the end of the day, they can get in the way, right? That um, it can be like, hey, you're throwing your life away. You know, mm -hmm. you have so much more that the world, you can offer the world. Or uh, So there's not a lot of encouragement um, out there, but there is. So it's, it's like, you know, but yeah. the evil one doesn't want us to hear the voice of, of the Holy Spirit as well. So he'll use friends to maybe discourage us, or like in my case, family members, yeah. to discourage us, those closest to us, to mm -hmm. feel like that anxiety and that, that, you know, that discouragement. So just those three things. You but know, even just, with that, God will bring you someone to help you along. Absolutely. And just look at Jesus' life. Everything that you said Jesus went through, right? Yeah. Jesus mm -hmm. prayed all night in silence with his Father. Jesus went to those uncomfortable places, yeah. touched mm -hmm. people like lepers who they were not supposed to touch, and went into that awfulness in a sense. Those mm -hmm. who were marginalized went against the Sanhedrin and everything that was going on. And then lastly, even remember it says his, uh, his family's out there. He thinks he's crazy. He needs to eat. And he yeah. says, uh, this is my mother and my, and my family right yep, here. Right. You know, those who hear the word of God and follow it. So. Yeah. Jesus is not asking you to do anything he hasn't done, Amen. right? Amen. Amen sure. to that. Well, yeah, Father Brian Costa, this has just been a wonderful time to be with you, and, and you brought so much to the table. So glad that you were here and to explain all these things for us. So maybe uh, some other time you can come back and uh, and kind of talk some more because yeah. I, I think uh, you got a ton of stories and a lot of wisdom to shed on upon us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Maybe next time you can give me two hours. Yeah, maybe, right? Maybe. Well, you we'll, we'll do a part two. So thanks for being here. It's good to be Father with you. Father David, did you so want to end with anything? Did you have uh, any last words that you wanted to say? Just to, just a thank you to Father Brian uh, for for carving some time out of your busy schedule. I know it is busy, and uh, being able to just share some wisdom with, with us and yeah. uh, men who might be considering a call. Thank you, yeah. guys. Appreciate you. Father Brian, you want to lead us out with a prayer? Of course. Father, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for many blessings. Um, so much to be thankful for. We just ask you to send your Holy Spirit to be with us. Holy Spirit, you are a spirit of truth. You're a spirit of enlightenment. You are a spirit of guidance. Uh, you are a healing spirit. So all the men who are listening, all those who are listening, we just pray that Holy Spirit, you just touch uh, all of our hearts, that you bring wisdom. Um, may all confusion be gone in the name of Jesus. May um, any fear be gone in the name of Jesus. We just pray, Lord, uh, that you just give us your spirit so that way we can uh, find that true fortitude that you call us to have and uh, Jesus, uh, the Good Shepherd, just protect us, your sheep. Um, we know there are many wolves out there, not only physical wolves working through people, but spiritual wolves. So just be our Good Shepherd today and always through Mary's intercession and through St. Joseph, the terror of demons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Awesome. Awesome prayer. I love it. 
Well, you've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me and Father David Pelican as we hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese and Eparchy and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. God bless you all.